Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I hear different industries kind of talk about, you know, what a good day of work is or how that is to kind of get out and get what you need done. Uh, and just as like a creative system, it's sort of tough in photography. There's a lot of the, the entrepreneurial and uh, sort of business related stuff of, you know, how do you, how do you get paid and how do you operate in a business? How do you function as a photographer sort of a thing? But, but still outside of that, you need to do something nourishing uh, in the system of creativity where you're, you're kind of gaining new ideas and putting new materials together and uh, sort of uh, figuring out a, a way to, to make a union of, of something new with media and with something visual, especially as fast as technology is moving forward. It's definitely an interesting uh, vector kind of using uh, the progression of technology and artistic creativity to try and make uh, new pieces of media to put out. And that's what I really like about new media as it goes. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I don't know, I'm kind of thinking about uh, the way of making uh, pieces of media and, and new media elements and, and working with photographs and stuff. But, uh, but it's something that I've been really interested in for a, a long time. You can see more of my work at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. But I was going to talk about that a little bit. I thought it would be kind of cool to, to talk about at least some of the stuff that I know about uh, uh, some of the stuff sort of around hunting stuff. I don't, I guess I don't really get into a ton of hunting stuff, but, uh, but I was trying to uh, think a little bit about, uh, some notes that I had about finding and scouting out dispersed hunting campsites or dispersed campsites that are, um, that are away from parks, away from state parks and, uh, and sort of those, uh, those bigger areas that are just kind of wide out open that you can camp in. Uh, and I've been able to find like a number of them over the years. It's really cool getting to kind of find those locations that, uh, you can kind of keep a memory of their spot and then go back to year over year. And these are spots that are cool because they don't offer any facilities or any services. So there's no, no water there. You got to bring all your water in. There's no bathroom services. There's no pavement. Probably it's like a pretty dispersed remote location uh, that you can kind of drive up to, but it's also still connected to a road. So it's not as uh, deep into the backcountry as like uh, a real place that you would go. So for like a, a lot of hunting stuff, I think what I'd seen in the past and what some of these seem to be set up for is uh, like a hunting party of say four four cars, you know, four, a, a couple groups of people coming together, uh, and then meeting, meeting up for their hunting party and then having a location where they can have like a big enough base camp where they can have all their equipment, their four cars, and then they can go out on their couple day expeditions or their morning hunt, come back to the camp, go out on their evening hunt, come back to the camp sort of stuff for what it seems like a lot of people in, uh, in their different locations that they go, uh, go out on hunting trips and stuff. But I was out in the John Day River area, driving the John Day River Canyon, uh, which is like an area, well, I guess you can probably find it. The, the John Day River empties out into the Columbia River. And, and then I think kind of is one of the larger river systems, the larger uh, river drainages that exist out in eastern Oregon there. Uh, there's a few others that are kind of out there, but I think that's one of the bigger ones that cuts through uh, some of the sections of eastern Oregon. Otherwise, there's like the Deschutes that runs down the east side of the Cascades and drains a couple a couple other rivers into it before it empties out into the Columbia River a little closer to like the Mount Hood area. But the the John Day River area is cool. It's out there in eastern Oregon. And uh, that's where I was camping a little bit earlier in July. And as I was driving through, I have that 
that map app, that Onyx uh, mapping tool. And I was going through and I was marking locations as I would drive. I really didn't like stay there or stop there or take pictures or something. But I'd go through and I'd mark these locations as I was driving around for these dispersed uh, campsite locations that I'd pass. And so that was kind of a good way for me to make a catalog uh, kind of passively as I was driving around, but make a catalog of the locations that I might be able to go back to. Uh, and some of the, the campsites that seemed a little bit more uh, suitable for a day or an overnight kind of trip or a couple days or something like that. And so that's what I was thinking about for for like dispersed hunting campsite locations of uh, some of the stuff that uh, people kind of use. But uh, but setting up the mapping tools uh, and using like the photo geotag service or the, that, that option that's in the, the Onyx off-road map app or the Onyx hunt app uh, works really well. I, I was... I was finding it worked really well to, to kind of grab the phone, take a picture when you arrived at a location that was like a good hunting camp. But uh, I found like probably like six or seven on the last uh, two or three trips that I've done just kind of scouting around as I was driving around the, in the, the woods and stuff, you know, places that I didn't end up camping that night. Um, but I thought would be a pretty reasonable spot to head back to sometime in the future. So yeah, the John Day River uh, area had like a lot of stuff, sort of that area, I guess, between uh, like the painted hills around Mitchell. And there's probably a lot of stuff that goes up that highway t toward the town of John Day. But I think I took like a back road that followed the John Day River from like the Mitchell area up toward Clarenow, which I think is like north of there, kind of jumps like to one of the the highways that runs uh, north of there, but yeah, like Clarenow and up. And so I kind of took that section and I was trying to mark like a few of those dispersed camping sites that I would find on the sides. And uh, a lot of these, like I was saying, like the, there's no services or anything, but they're set up on BLM land or, or national forest land. Uh, a lot of them, I think, are BLM land. I'm not totally sure about that, how that goes, but uh, uh, as this was, yeah, it was like a, uh, like a, just a, well, what am I trying to say about it? What's cool about these dispersed campsites is that, you know, you can set up as much stuff as you want. You can be there pretty much undisturbed the whole time. And, uh, it's cool. Like, I think a lot of these sites are great to camp at during the summer and stuff, but, uh, you can kind of see by the design, like how they were set up, that they were really laid out, uh, for hunters coming in, in September and October to do like the elk and deer, uh, like hunting trips, but you can kind of tell that I think by like some of the tools and stuff that are set up or like some of the ways they have their tables um, or you see those uh, uh, You see like a branch that's been like nailed in about 10 or 12 feet or 15 feet up in a tree And I think that's where you can like bring in a deer after it's after you get it While you're out hunting you can bring it back and then string it up and then start carving up the meat um, While it's like while it's hung up on that. But I think that's like one of the signs that I see a lot. But also there's like, I don't know, just whatever they use for their, their fire pit or whatever else they use. Really, you're going to see hunters probably like this week and for the next like month straight if you're out in any of those uh, those further eastern Oregon places of people uh, set up to do their hunting trip and stuff. But um, there's a couple on and offs between the hunting seasons and stuff for the next couple of weeks. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting going out there. And uh, I, I remember this time of year, like out, out in eastern Oregon toward Hart Mountain, there were like a bunch of hunters that would be set up in different spots uh, for like a couple sections after Labor Day. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't totally reckon how many people would be going to certain places uh, for hunting season stuff. But I was thinking like, wow, there's a lot of people camping for some time after Labor Day. And you think, oh, yeah, this is like this is actually like outdoorsmen that you know, like to go hunting, like to go do stuff into October or into November. 
And uh, I was thinking, oh, yeah, they're not doing, like, summer camping trips anymore. They're, you know, <laughs> they're actually doing uh, doing something else out here in the woods. Um, but, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of fun going around, checking out stuff, and uh, trying to do some scouting for that. It's cool, though. You know, one thing I've kind of recognized over the years is uh, it's really tough to, like, just go out into an area that you don't really know very well and try and find a good campsite. And uh, that's why I've, I've kind of started, um, well, that's really a definitely a, a big reason why I've tried to, to start making like a little catalog of locations of good campsites I find while I pass them. Um, but also I've been trying to notice that uh, some spots are going to be better than others for different times of the year. So I've been really trying to do a lot of like off-season scouting where uh, at different times of the year when maybe even I'm not on a camping trip, I'm able to uh, kind of scout out a couple different areas and mark some locations or at least like write down or remember that there's a, a location that I want to go back to. But that helps a lot when you're trying to go out to a campsite or to a, a camping area or when your circumstances change. Like a lot of time I'm camping by myself, but it's kind of cool to remember locations that are a little bigger or something or have a little bit, a little bit more of a ease of access if you're going with like a group of people that's a little larger and you want to accommodate a couple different cars or a couple different people um i was kind of noticing like the difference between like um like group sites and like uh kind of like more remote sites that you might go to and that's sort of something that you're going to notice out there too of these kind of these bigger group sites where it seems like you could almost have like a horse camp or something i've seen that as a as an option out there too it's kind of strange when you go out you know there's like kind of regular camps it seems like you could set up and then there's like a camp with a with a corral built into the campsite and it seems like it's made from timber that was cut and processed you know they just like cut down a tree right there and then split it and then made a corral out of it to keep their horses for their horse camp that they had for you know some hunting thing that they're up to or some outdoors thing they were up to but it seems like a lot of these places are like big enough to like bring in an atv or you know they have like a quad or something like that but it seems like there's kind of like a big uh, circled out area and then otherwise there's like different locations that are uh, kind of like more for like high clearance trucks or you know like some kind of four uh, four-wheel drive location that's a little bit further where you can kind of get back a little ways into the what would kind of be the back country or you know into an un uh, closer to a wilderness area and then you can take that and then jump back further and uh do some hunting in an area that you'd uh, maybe scouted out earlier in the year. But for me, like, I don't really hunt or do any of that stuff. I'm just out kind of hunting for pictures um, and hunting for good campsites and stuff. So that's kind of what's been fun about that. And going through the John Day River area up there, there was a lot of stuff that uh, that bordered, like, some BLM land that stretched up a hill. And I guess that area is, like, a, a uh, one of the... Uh, one of the drainages that, I, that, that people go to for a lot of elk hunting. Um, and here it's known for that. Or, you know, known for some pretty big elk that they're able to to get out of that area which is kind of it's kind of cool it'd be fun it'd be fun to see some elk out there i've only seen a couple elk and most of the time i just see the female elk i don't think i've really ever seen like a big bull elk out there in the woods that'd be kind of fun but i've had a good time yeah getting out to go to uh some of those dispersed camping sites and stuff there's yeah some out in deep east oregon by like heart mountain that i've always really liked um there's a lot in kind of that eastern Oregon section when you get out there. But what I've noticed, though, is a lot of the stuff in the National Forest section of, uh, say, like the Cascades, it seemed like pretty pretty well populated. And it's kind of harder to find good spots up there. You can you can find, like, you know, little pullouts and dead-end roads and stuff. But, uh, but as it goes for, like, uh, just kind of big, free, uh, dispersed campsite sections, it's uh, a little bit 
harder to find. You, it's, it's a little more organized out in those locations. That's what's cool about some of the BLM stuff and some of the high desert location stuff is it's just it's just kind of wide open. You're just you know sort of driving around. You take some little dinky road off to the side, and then you're at a cool fire pit and a big juniper tree, and uh, it looks like people have been camping there forever. You know, so it's it's cool that you can kind of find some stuff like that. And I've I've had a good time going out to Eastern Oregon to find some stuff like that for myself. Um, so I want to get out there and, and uh, try and go camping at some of this, uh, some of the spots. I know, like I'm kind of competing with the hunting season, like I was saying, but but even silly, I want to jump out there and uh, try and do some fall camping. That's really like one of the best times of year to go out there. I really like the springtime, like even the early springtime, like late March and April, while it's uh, still pretty cold. If you can if you can gear up for it, it's really a cool time to be out there because you have uh, so much uh, like texture, weather in the sky and in the clouds. Uh, that it, it kind of keeps the terrain pretty interesting. It can be pretty miserable, you know, if, if the weather's totally turned on yet. But uh, as it goes for a lot of it, it, it really is kind of like a cool time to be out there in the summertime. It'll even by like May or uh, a little into June for sure. It just gets so hot that it's kind of tough to be out, just kind of wandering around or hiking around in the in the daytime. Uh, so it kind of cuts down on the amount of of just kind of trekking around or wandering or poking around stuff that you could do you could probably do something from your truck or something but it's it's a little more fun to get out there and uh hike around check some stuff out so it seems like uh the fall like when the temperatures are down a little bit you have a little bit better opportunity to do that and then early in the springtime um, but i think the fall is my favorite time to be out there when you're you're watching the, the aspen trees kind of turn from green to yellow to orange and get a lot of color out there and uh, some of those uh some of those aspen groves that grow out in eastern Oregon. So I want to try and go out there and get some photographs of it as the seasons start to change and the colors come on in the trees. Um, I get, I bet there's going to be some nice days and stuff out there, and it seems like some of the trees are already starting to turn a little bit. Like I was saying in that last podcast, I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of trees kind of start to get that late late summer, early fall tinge to them where it looks like they're about to, about to turn over and uh, get brown and begin fall, begin autumn and stuff. So it's uh, going to come on pretty fast. It's already with the, yeah, like the second week of September. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. So I've been checking out the IPFS network. I've been talking about it a few times before here on the podcast, but it stands for Interplanetary File System. It's kind of a, a cool way of uh, sort of uh, creating a distributed hash table network. I don't know how it works. It's, some, it's something where it's like a distributed network instead of uh, having like a server system. Um, so I've been trying to set that up. It's pretty complicated, but you can go to um, Sidereus and download a program called Orion, and that's like a, a browser that you can use to upload and then download, uh, you know, send files back and forth over the IPFS network, uh, which is pretty cool. It's kind of interesting. So I downloaded it on a couple computers here at home, and I was trying to 
uh, use this um, this key to connect the two of the nodes together so you could kind of uh, create uh, like a direct connection in the network. Uh, and I was trying to do this with a couple other computers I had around the house too to, to do some stuff. But uh, but yeah, the IPFS stuff is pretty interesting. I've been trying to put up um, some some media stuff onto that over the last couple of days. I've been using a site called dsounds.audio and I'm trying to upload a bunch of mp3 files of uh, my podcasts and it's just kind of interesting to check it out but yeah it's, it looks uh, like a lot like SoundCloud or something when you'd use it but instead of any of those files existing on a website's server they exist distributed across the world the United States I don't know how, how far it's really distributed yet um, but those files are distributed on different computers so it can be reproduced uh, from from different areas of the network. It's interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious how it works. Uh, I'm also using this uh, video program or video website called uh, D.Tube, I think is what it is. It's supposed to really just be like a YouTube clone, and it works uh, pretty well. It's it's not, I think, uh, the full resolution uh, and flow that YouTube is, but really, as it goes, it's it's quite far along for what you would think to do with it. I've also been checking out uh, BitChute, which is another sort of YouTube video competitor, but they do a lot more with ads and with paid content. And I think that the DTube stuff is, I don't know, it seems like a little more like homegrown in some ways when you look at the website, but uh, but as I consider it, I think it's, uh, you know, it's ad-free, uh, it's crypto, decentralized. It, it's really, it's interesting. Like when you log in, um, you don't really even use your email address or anything like that. It's just... Um, it's this cryptographic key that you log in with and that's like your account data and if and no one has it so if you lose it then it's gone I think forever you know uh, so it's it's kind of cool checking it out uh, you can go to the your page you, know, you can uh, kind of upload media like you would on YouTube or something it's a little slower though it seems like that's that's definitely something that I was noticing I'm trying to make an upload right now and it's going fine, but I think it's a little bit slower than maybe some of the other, uh, the other like YouTube or something like that. If you're uploading a 1080p video, it'd be more robust as a service. This is definitely like something, um, some some piece of the internet that's being made uh, by people like you and me. So it's uh, it's kind of cool that it, it works at all, really. But yeah, I think uh, these uh, these DTube sites and DSound sites are, are going to be kind of interesting media players. Uh, not players, like, uh, but just interesting kind of media side features that uh, that I think are kind of interesting as people are starting to maybe consider moving away from centralized services like Facebook and Microsoft and Apple and Amazon and and all that. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of and Google, you know, YouTube and Google and all that. But uh, but it's cool trying to check out the IPFS stuff and uh, get it connected. I uh, I was trying to upload some videos that I have on my YouTube page right now and. Uh, I'm trying to download a bunch of YouTube videos also. Like a bunch of the YouTube videos that I have, there's there's a couple different features out there. There's like maybe one that you've heard before where you put SS before the YouTube domain name and that'll send you over to a website called, I think it's like Save Form or something like that. And then you can you can download sort of a lower resolution uh, version of that that file, which saved me a couple, or you know, that helped me out a couple times. It was, uh, you know, audio and video of it. You can download it. I think it was ad-free. Uh, that it's, it was a website that kind of, you know, pushes you to buy stuff a lot, though, too, I think, the way the service works. I was also trying to check out this thing called uh, YouTube-DL, which was uh, like a YouTube downloader. Um, so I was trying to go through and download some of the videos that I had on YouTube, but that I don't really have, like, the same 
same clips from on my computer. So it's cool. I don't know. I've been going through and uh, checking out uh, some DTube and what is it? D sounds, distributed sounds, distributed audio. It's kind of cool uh, checking it out. So I'm uploading a video in the background right now on my laptop. It's a, like a screen capture video working in Lightroom and uh, going through uh, the editing of a photo. Uh, so I'm throwing that up there on DTube, which is uh, like, I don't know, probably going to take forever to upload. It's it's kind of a larger, uh, I think it's like more than 10 minutes or something like that. It's more than a gigabyte. So it's like a bigger file for that network to take. So I think it takes like a little bit more time. But it's cool. I'm trying it out and uh, and I guess I'll kind of see how it goes. It's also cool too. I guess you can just you can publish websites to the IPFS hash tables also. Like if you write like a static HTML site or an HTML CSS site, um, I guess you can package that and then upload that, and you will have a web link to go to that HTML site, and it will pull up like it was pulled up on a server, which is pretty interesting. I haven't, I haven't really learned quite enough about it yet. I'm trying to figure it out a little bit more. I want to try and get a like some kind of um, distributed, distributed blog website up, or you know, something where you can you can kind of update it uh, a couple times. I think there's another one called Steepshot.io. That was this uh, this photo sharing website that I was checking out, which is kind of cool. It's still, all of these are still in alpha. And I was having a hard time actually like getting stuff to upload when I was using it, uh, so it was kind of kind of interesting. But I think it's you know it's stuff that. It kind of comes and goes as you're sort of an early adopter of some of the services. Uh, but I'm going to try and uh, try and use steepshot.io to, to continue doing some stuff, too. That's another uh, distributed photo sharing site, which is kind of cool. It uses the, I think, I think when you post a photo, it, it posts it to the blockchain ledger. This is still sort of something that's out of my depth, it seems to me. But I think it's kind of cool that, uh, that, yeah, you're able to do stuff like that and, yeah, put, put stuff up on the web and download it from the web. Uh, without ever really going through a centralized service. So it's kind of fun stuff. But Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on billynewmanphoto.com. A few new things up there, some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other, other outbound sources, some, some links to books, some links to some podcasts, links to some blog posts, all pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at billynewmanaphoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.